Good morning. It is great to see you all here in person. Hey, folks online, so glad you're here with us too. Uh, you know, I'm a pretty big fan of the Mahatma Gandhi. When I was a kid, I was like a super fan. Yeah, I, I was only 12 and I read his big autobiography. I love the way that he lived out what he believed. He, I love the way he talked about the power of nonviolent resistance, of, of self-sacrifice. Now, I, I don't agree with Gandhi about everything about Jesus, but I definitely understand why he would say this. I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Yeah, uh, that's a problem that we need to recognize, that we need to address. This is a, th a real thing in the world. If we're followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be his disciples, his apprentices. We're supposed to become more and more like him. We're supposed to do the things that he does. We're supposed to take on his character and live the kind of life that he lives. If we're not, there's a problem. And lots of Christians aren't. And every follower of Jesus can press into this more. We can press into it more. The Apostle Paul in the Bible, in Colossians, he talks about this and he makes clear what the, he lays out the solution. And guess what? It's Jesus. Jesus, surprise, it's Jesus. And it's Jesus bringing us to life. That's why this summer we've been asking, praying, Jesus, bring us to life. And so Paul says, he says that, hey, we should take a look again at Jesus. Take a hard look at who he actually is. And we should see what that means to us. Like who we are in Jesus. And as we live into those truths, we come to life. Yeah, all this stuff is in the Bible, by the way. And the first verse that we're going to look at today actually is a pretty good summary of the whole book of Colossians. Paul says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Continue to live your lives in him. Paul's talking to folks who are already followers of Jesus, and he's saying the way you got into this deal the, way, the, the receiving of Jesus, that's the way you keep going in this deal. That's the way you live in him. That's the way you come to life. John Wimber, he said, the way in is the way on. Or this is what lots of good dads say to their sons. Son, the way you get the girl is the way you keep her. We'll come back to that. First, though, let's get clear on this other part that Jesus said, just, or that Paul said, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. We should get clear on what it means to receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Those words there are important. Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus as Lord. Just like how the Apostle Paul uses those same words in the book of Romans. Romans 6, he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of our sin, we earn, we deserve spiritual death. 
But God gives us a gift. It's a gift. And all we can do is give up on ourselves and receive it. Humble ourselves and receive it. And that gift is eternal life. It's the kind, the quality of life that Jesus has. It's the gift is coming to life in Jesus. And we get that gift in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what we put our faith in. That's what we believe in. That's what we experience. Jesus as Christ. Christ, Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, what he did on the cross, he paid the price for us. He set us free from sin and death. And Jesus is Jesus. He's a guy, like a human being, right? Just like us, born in a stable, Jesus. He invites us into a real family with him. And Jesus is Lord. Yeah, he's the king of kings. He's the boss of our lives. We surrender our whole lives to him. His will, not ours, be done. Yeah, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to get in, this is how you get in. It's not that complicated. You just agree with Jesus that he is who he said he is. A man who is also the son of God, the creator of the universe. And he did what he said he would do. He died on that cross to save us. He did save us. Yeah, if you're not in yet, no better day than today. No better day to start a relationship with Jesus, to start coming to life. And I will tell you, there is nothing better than following Jesus. Nope, nothing. Because Jesus is the best. His love and his power and his wisdom, there, there is no other way to have the good life. None. Yeah, be, before I um, moved here to Duluth, before God tricked me into being a pastor, uh, I had a real job. I was the uh, top lawyer at a biotech company, and I had success and wealth and a beautiful family and home, and my work friends back then think I'm nuts now. The way I'm living my life, they don't get it. But I tell you, there's nothing better. The, and, and, there's nothing better than having Jesus, because that's where real Love and satisfaction and joy come from. It's not in being a pastor. It's in following Jesus. But let's not forget the problem. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So many of us have received Christ, but then we never really press in to living in him. We, it's like we get distracted or we get off track. And Paul, he talks about this in the very next verse. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Yikes. How, how do we avoid that? I am so glad you asked, because that's what we're talking about today. If we, want, if, we, if we want to avoid the traps, if we want to come to life, Paul tells us we need Jesus. And really what we need to do is we need to go beyond seeing, just knowing in our heads that he is Jesus Christ our Lord, to, to go from seeing to living, to experiencing him as Jesus Christ our Lord. So, grab a Bible. We're on page 805 in the Bibles we got here. Um, let's pray and let's ask God to take us from just seeing to living, to experiencing him as Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Holy Spirit, come. Come. We, we need more of your presence and your love and your wisdom. Come and fill this room. Fill all the rooms of the people that are watching us online. And God, I ask that you change us today. You draw us closer to you in powerful ways. All we need is you, Jesus. You're it. Amen. Okay, so we're in Colossians. It's uh, chapter two. We're going to start in verse six. And Paul, he is writing to this new, this young church. And Colossae, where he's writing to, it's, it's a real place. It's a little bit east of Galatia. It's a little bit west of Ephesus. And these are real people with specific problems and challenges. But this problem of not of Christians not being Christ-like. This, this thing of us falling into traps, that's universal. That's us today. So chapter two, starting in verse six. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Alive with Christ, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Yes, Jesus, you have won. You are winning. You will win. All right. Let's unpack this, okay? Let's get into this good stuff. If we want to, if we want to be more like Jesus, if we want to avoid the traps, if we want to come to life, then we need to go from just seeing to living to experiencing Jesus Christ as Lord. Jesus Christ as Lord. So first, we're invited to live like Jesus is our Lord. He's the Lord of everything. And that starts out with seeing and believing that he is Lord. And here, Paul gives us one of the most powerful statements of the Lordship of Christ in the entire Bible. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Jesus is the king of kings. He is supreme. He is number one. We talked about this a few weeks back. It's not just that he is fully God. It's that God is fully in him. What does it say here? It's the, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
It's hard for us to wrap our minds around how great Jesus is, right? He created the entire universe. He holds it together now, and he is fixing it. He is making it perfect again. He is going to make all things new. Paul, here, he's talking to the Colossians, right? And and the Colossians weren't Jewish like Jesus and Paul. They were pagans. They started out as pagans, like our culture today. There were lots of gods and deities in this culture. So Paul needs to tell them that Jesus isn't just on the spectrum, of God's, right? He, he, he is different, right? He needs to tell them that Jesus is above all other spiritual powers and authorities. But also, he's not just above, he's also different in the sense that all the God stuff and all the universe is in Jesus. It's fully in him. Do we see who Jesus is? He's Lord of everything. Everything. Do we live like he's the Lord of us. Well, here's two big ways to press into that. First, we live like we're complete in him. We're complete in him. There's nothing else we need. So remember verse 10. Let's go jump back to verse 10, and it says, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. In Christ, you've been brought to fullness. Now, it may not feel like that, all right? We might be able to look at ourselves and see lots of places that aren't quite that Christ-like. But let me tell you, if we're followers of Jesus, if Jesus is in us, then God looks at us and he sees Jesus's perfection and his righteousness. We couldn't be any better. We couldn't be any more complete. What would it look like to live that way? For the Colossians, Paul is saying, hey, hey, you know, take a good look at Jesus again, who he is. Now, you you don't need to bow down to, you don't need to like pay homage to any other deities. No, 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 Zeus, Artemis, Caesar, they got nothing to give you. You are complete in Jesus. What about us? Are are there anything else other than Jesus that we are bowing down to, that we are submitting to and sacrificing for other than Jesus? Any ways that he's not quite enough? Now, I know, if we're followers of Jesus, we believe in our heads that, yeah, Jesus is enough, he's God, he's got it all. But where are we hedging our bets? Where are we like, yeah, Jesus is good and all, but I think I also need this thing to be complete, to be satisfied, to be fulfilled, to have the good life. Uh, For me, it's accomplishment and success. Sometimes I forget that God's accomplishment and success is all I need. So I put too much value in my own accomplishments, and I'll make sacrifices, right? I'll make sacrifice my health, the time with God, my family, friends, so that I can work for something that I don't even need because I'm complete in Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Well, maybe for you, it's not success and accomplishment. Maybe you're working for something else to be complete. Maybe it's you need other people's recognition or praise to be noticed. You think you need that to be complete. Or maybe it's money. Yeah, 
just straight up money, financial security. Or maybe you think you need this particular relationship, you know, you complete me, like in all the rom-coms. What is it? What is it for us that we think we need to make us complete? Uh, whatever it is, compare it to Jesus, because if we got Jesus, that thing has nothing to give us, nothing. Holy Spirit, come and help us to live into that truth. Yeah, help us to see that we are complete in Jesus. Bring us to life. Okay, second. Um, there's another way that we press into this, and it's kind of the flip side of living like we're complete. Um, to live like Jesus is Lord, we need to give up our idols for Jesus. We do. We need to give up our idols. See, all other lords become idols when compared to Jesus. They all become idols. Jesus is He's the king of kings. He's, he's supreme. He's number one. And if we put anything above him, it's an idol. And if we do, we're not living like he's the Lord of everything because we're not living like he's the Lord of us. Our idols have got to go if we're going to be Christ-like, if we're going to come to life, if we're going to avoid the traps. So, no, my name is John, and my idols sometimes include, they sometimes include pride and being right and security and human's love and, oh, and accomplishment and success. We talked about that before. What about for you? Can you name your idols? Holy Spirit, come. Shine a light to help us see our idols, to name them. Because if we can name them, whether they're good things like, you know, our family and our kids' happiness and, you know, co social causes, or they're bad things like greed and gluttony and lust, or, or maybe it's, maybe, Lord, it's that we're putting drugs or alcohol or screen time porn above you. If we can name it, then we can ask for your help. Lord, help us see that those things are nothing compared to Jesus. Help us to let go of our idols and fill us more and more with Jesus. Amen. All right. Jesus Christ, our Lord. We, we did the Lord part. We got two more parts to go. So if, if we're going to live like Jesus is, he, that he is, Jesus is Jesus Christ, our Lord, we're also invited to press into the fact that Jesus is Jesus. He's our family. Now, this is going to take a little context to explain, to make, have this make sense. So, um, let's go back to verse 8. There are, um, you know, biblical scholars like N.T. Wright that believe in verse 8, Paul was making a pun. He was getting punny. And so, in verse 8, he says, um, see to it that no one takes you captive. Now, the word he uses for take you captive is a rare, it's not a common word. And it, that word sounds exactly like the word for synagogue. Synagogue, the place where the Jews gather. These Bible geniuses think that what Paul's doing here is the same thing he was doing in Galatians. He, he warned the Galatians that to follow Jesus, you don't have to become Jewish. And now he's warning the Colossians to follow Jesus, to have your sins forgiven, you do not have to become Jewish. So with that in mind, Paul says, 
In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now, see, doesn't it make total sense now? You, you don't need to be circumcised because you're already circumcised because you were baptized. Huh? Okay, we need even more context here. First of all, what is circumcision? This is embarrassing for men like me. Circumcision is when they cut the foreskin off a little baby's wee-wee. Okay, there, I said it. That's what it is. It's a big deal for the Jewish people. It really is. It's part of their covenant, right? It, it, it's like an um, entry point into the Jewish family. It's, it's an initiation ritual to become part of the Jewish family. And I don't know why God chose such an embarrassing way to set apart his people, but he did. Paul here is saying, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't need to be circumcised by human hands, by human hands, to come into the family of God. You don't need that as an entry point. You don't need it as an initiation ritual. Nope. In fact, we already got our own initiation ritual, baptism, which is the symbol of how we actually come into God's family. We, how, how we, we, we're buried with him and we come to life with him. We go under the water, we come out of the water. And it points to the deeper circumcision that we need, a circumcision of our hearts. Yeah, we need a change in our core identity. Yeah, you know, if we are followers of Jesus, our core identity, the thing that is hands down, the most important thing about us is that we are children of God. How do we live like that's true? How do we live like Jesus is Jesus, like we're part of his family? Do we do that? Sometimes we do. Yeah, like on Baptism Sunday. You know, we, baptisms are a big deal here at the Vineyard. I don't know if you've been here. It's uh, people go under the water, they come out of the water. And when they come out of the water, it, it, have you seen this? It's like there is all this hooping and hollering and cheering. Woohoo, baptism! And we are cheering and we are hooping and hollering and cheering for these people. Why? Because they are now part of our family. They're part of Jesus' family. We're celebrating that they're part of the family, not the Duluth Vineyard Church. No, no, no. They are part of God's family. His church started 2,000 years, headed on for eternity. That's what they're part of in Jesus' family. Baptism is so good. And, and I think there's other times. Like if, if someone put a gun to our head and said, hey, you got to answer or I'm going to shoot you. If they forced us to answer and they said, what's the most important family in your life? Is it your biological family or is it Jesus' family? Is it your work family or Jesus' family? Is it your political family or Jesus' family? If we were forced to answer, I think most of us, we'd go with Jesus' family. But what about when there's no gun or finger? What about when, there's, when we're not forced to answer? Like when we meet people for the first time, how do we introduce ourselves? If you and I were meeting now for the first time, I, I would be much more likely to say things like, um, you know, I'm a pastor, a former 
attorney. I, I'm from Seattle. I, uh, my parents are Mennonites, right? I, I'm much more likely to say stuff like that than when we meet, the first thing I say is, I'm a child of God. I'm in Jesus' family. What gives with that? What is the first thing we say when we introduce ourselves? First thing we say about us. You see, it's harder than it looks, harder than it seems to live like Jesus is Jesus, like we're in his family. And that's because there are competing families. There are competing identities that want to be first in our lives. Because we spend so much time at work, I think the identity that we're, um, we're most present to is our professional identity. You know, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a carpenter, I'm a police officer, I'm a student, whatever it is. But what if we lost our job? You know, we'd still be complete in Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us see how our identity in Jesus, how our place in his family is much, so much more important than our professional identity, our job. Some of us, we let our um, cultural, our ethnic, our racial identity define us. Now, there's nothing wrong with being proud of the fact that you're American or Italian or black, whatever it is. But when there is a big problem, when we start to think our ethnicity, our race is superior. And we do that when we forget our core identity. So come, Holy Spirit, and help us see how our identity in Jesus is way more important than our cultural, our ethnic, our racial identity. You know, from what we're talking about all the time, from what we're posting online, it would seem that many of us think that our core identity is our political identity. Not if we're followers of Jesus. No, we, we, we were buried and we were raised with Jesus, not with some politician. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us see how our identity in Jesus is way more important than our political identity. Uh, gender identity, sexual identity, those are a big thing today. And we're, we're not going to go into all the Bible has to say about that, although I will note the Bible is clear that we are to love everyone, no matter their gender, no matter their sexual identity. But I want to lovingly say that some of us have made our gender identity, our sexual identity, our core identity. We've let it define us. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us see how our identity in Jesus is way more important than our gender identity, our sexual identity. Same thing can happen um, with disabilities. Me, I am hopelessly dyslexic. I am super dyslexic. School was hard for John. Um, I had nightmares. And it's really easy to let your disability define you. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us see how our identity in Jesus is way more important than our disability identity. Okay, one more. Uh, we're in church. And churchgoers have a way of blowing out of proportion our religious identity. Yeah, we think that our church, our movement, our tribe is just, that's the best, it's superior. Or we get identity out of the fact that we go to church, that we go to small group, we serve, we give. Oh, but those things don't bring us to life. 
They may open the door to the guy that does, but they don't. So come, Holy Spirit, and help us see that our identity in Jesus is way more important than our religious identity. All right, I wish we had way more time to talk about identity. Because <laughs> having your identity rooted in Jesus, oh, it goes a long way. A long way to making us Christ-like, to avoiding being taken captive, to, to bringing us to life. But we need to move on. Jesus Christ, our Lord. We just talked about the Jesus part. We talked about the Lord part before. So now the Christ part. Jesus is our Christ. He is our Messiah. We are invited to live, live like Jesus is our Christ, our Savior. Now, the big picture story of the entire Bible is that we are slaves in sin, and Jesus sets us free. We are dead in our sins, and Jesus brings us to life. So here in Colossians, Paul is telling the Colossians, he's saying, hey, 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 to, to come to life, to, to, um, to be forgiven from your sins, you don't need to follow the Jewish law. You don't need the Jewish law. You just need Jesus to save you. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you all, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. The law does not bind us anymore. He canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Okay, so the Jewish law. I doubt many of you are keeping kosher or you're um, you know, doing ceremonial washing to be clean or that you're doing animal sacrifices in your basement like it talks about in the Bible. No, but that doesn't actually mean that we're living like Jesus is our Savior, that he is our Christ. Yeah, for, for, for me, I was a good little Mennonite boy. Well, good most of the time. And, um, you know, I heard the story of what Jesus did for us at the cross. And I was told, you have to accept his gift, his grace. And I did. Yes, please. And then there was all the stuff that we did. Right? We went to church every Sunday. And I mean every Sunday. And we didn't just go for an hour, hour and a half. We were there for like three, four hours. And then there was Sunday night, and there was Wednesdays, and, and then there was um, at home. We, we prayed a lot, and we, talk, we read the Bible. We talked a lot about God and what he wanted. And all those things are good, but little me started to think, huh, I guess you have to do those things. And I would have never said that we were earning our way out of sin, we were earning our way to heaven or to the good life, but it sure did feel like those things were more a duty than they were a way to love Jesus back. Now again, those are good things, right? They, they open the door to Jesus, they're a way to, to show gratitude and worship and love him back, but they're also a huge trap. And it's why the American church is so unlike its Christ in so many ways. It's because we don't let 
Jesus, nail all our sins to the cross. No, you know, um, we can handle some of this. We're, we're like, maybe Jesus, he could deal with the big ones, but not, he doesn't need to deal with everything. We, we want to earn it. Where are we trying to earn it? You know, this is because we don't want to come empty-handed. We don't want to give up on ourselves. I mean, why should I have to? I, I am not so bad. I mean, have you seen what people do, the horrible things they do today? No, that's not what I do. I should just be able to be nice and come to church, and, and then I won't have that much to confess or repent. I, I won't really need to face my sins, the, the weight, the horror, the fact that I hurt other people and hurt myself and hurt God, and I can't stop, not on my own. I am spiritually bankrupt. And you know, God, he doesn't grade on a curve. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. We, we can't on our own earn our way out of it. We'll never be good enough. And that's why Jesus on that bloody cross paid the price. He forgave all our sins. He canceled all our debts. If we'll just come to him empty-handed and accept that gift. Do you see what the thing is here? It's our pride. It's totally our pride. Yeah, we want there to be something more we have to do out of our pride. We, we think what Jesus did on that cross, we act like it's not enough. Think about how that makes Jesus feel. How about we stop? How about we start living like he actually is our Christ, our Savior. Two ways that it's helped me do this. Um, first, it's to remember dad's advice, right? The way you get the girl is the way you keep her. Following Jesus isn't an idea. It, it's a person. It's Jesus. And I remember when I started following Jesus, it, it was because I put my faith, I believed that this person came he humbled himself. He died on that cross for me. And I remember, I was just, I couldn't believe it. that He loved me that much. He chose me. He wanted me. Oh. Now, you might be more of a robot even than I am. But when I think about that, what Jesus did, my relationship with him, how that started, I can't help but be thankful and that gratitude, seeing what he did on the cross, I see that it is enough, right? It, it melts away my pride that wants there to be something else. It, it makes me see that Jesus is my Savior. He's all I need. Again, the way in is the way on. And I would encourage us to make this a habit, going back to our first love with Jesus, remembering that first love. Maybe you can even feel some of that now. How you got into this, Jesus chose you. He's madly in love with you. Okay, next, the devil. Yeah, the devil. He's, a, he's still a thing, absolutely, and he loves to jump on our pride. This is a pride thing. And he loves to convince us that Christ alone is not enough. So let's go back to verse 15. Remember that verse? He, he says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The demon's power is accusing us of sin, right? It's like, hey, 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 you there, human. 
You stink, right? God will never love you. Look at the horrible things you've done. Do you remember those things? I'll remind you. They were horrible. Your rebellion against God, what you've done to other people, you will never be good enough. Yeah. Uh, But devil, guess what? (laughs) If I'm in Jesus, he's good enough. He is totally good enough. He he died for my sins. He is good enough. And by the way, as as a aside, this is why you know that what Paul says in Colossians. It's why James can say in James, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He is disarmed. What Jesus did makes me good enough. If we've got Jesus, the devil has nothing but lies. Now, let's get practical. The devil is right about one thing. We are horrible sinners. We, we stink. <laughs> we are. So let's um, go back and let's picture that um, what Paul describes is that charge of legal indebtedness. Let's picture a piece of paper that has the charge against us on it. And as a former attorney, I picture it as, you know, Almighty God versus John B. Cleaver. And it lists all the sins I've done. And then it says, the wages of sin are death. Death. Picture that paper in your mind. All the things that the devil, that your guilt and shame accuse you of, all the things that stood against and condemn us, all there. Picture a piece of paper. Now, close your eyes and picture Jesus. He's smiling. He's shining like the sun, standing in front of the cross. And you take that piece of paper and you hand it to him. And he takes it and he turns, nails it to the cross. And you are free, completely free from sin, from death, you are free. All your sins are forgiven. Now, let's live like that's true. Let's live like Jesus is our Savior, our Christ. We don't have to earn a thing. Let that go. All right, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord, with with God's help, we can go from just seeing that to actually living it, experiencing it. And as we do, we open the door wide for us to become more like Jesus, for us to avoid being taken captive, and for us to come to life. Let's press into that even more. I would invite you to stand up now. Just stand up with me. And if you're at home, get yourself comfortable, because what we're going to do is we're going to receive even more from God now. We're going to pray, and we're going to let him speak to us individually. So, God, I invite you here. Holy Spirit, come. We need your presence. We need your love. We need your power. Come. And God, I am a horrible multitasker, and I think I'm not alone. So, as you're inviting us to have you as Jesus Christ, our Lord, I think some of us are just gonna need to focus on one of those parts. So Holy Spirit, highlight where we need to press into that with you, to become more like you, to come to life. Maybe it's that we um, 
we're not living like your Lord because we're living like something else will make us complete. Something else will bring us to life. God, if that's what's going on in our life, highlight that. Show us that thing. You know, I am John. I am a workaholic. Highlight that thing. God, and help us, Holy Spirit, even now, to take that thing and lay it down at the foot of the cross to live like we are complete. For some of us, we, um, we're just not embracing our core identity. We're followers of Jesus, but we don't put that first as the thing that is most important about us. If we think, Lord, there's some other family, some other identity that's more important, God, help us to recognize that now and help us just to say, yep, is Jesus' family. That's the family I'm complete in. That's the most important thing about me and always will be for now and all of eternity that I am a child of God. And then God, for some of us, it's the fact that you are Christ. You're our savior. We're still trying to save ourselves. We're getting hung up on coming empty-handed, giving up on ourselves. If that's where we're at, Lord, give us the courage, give us the strength to just lay it all down and come to you because you love us so much. Holy Spirit, come. This is big doings in our hearts. Give us the patience to let you go to these places now to bring change. Come. You know, I'm gonna welcome up the ministry team and a great way to press into this is to just come on up and to let someone pray for you. Um, if you're online, you can click request prayer and let someone pray for you and connect you even more to these truths so you can live in Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we talked about how you press into that. Come up and let someone pray for you. They'd love to help you start a relationship with Jesus. They're gonna lead us in some more worship here and I'm just gonna encourage you, slow down. Jesus has something for you today. And maybe it's that you need physical healing or you're struggling in a relationship or you're, whatever that is, come up, let someone pray for that. But don't leave without letting God change you, without letting him give you what he has for you today. Thank you so much for coming to the vineyard.